0: of the things that I like about Deuteronomy is that it highlights God's continuing eminence in people's lives. That's why last week's sermon was titled, The God Who Speaks, because we saw how God reached into the Israelites' lives as they wandered the desert for years, and now they're perched on the edge of the Holy Land, just waiting for God to tell them to take the first step into their new homeland. In some senses I could use that title again this week because even though he no longer appears as a pillar of fire or a nighttime cloud God still speaks into the lives of his people and it's essential that we see that because here in chapter 5 Moses is again reminding them of the tattered history surrounding their covenant relationship with God Despite that, that God still cares for them and that he sees them as his people. But Moses also knows that his death is imminent, and that he has very little time left to finish preparing them to cross over the Jordan River and to take possession of this land they're being given. And as we know from Scripture, it's not being given to them because they're especially faithful and holy, because they're not. They're being gifted the land because God loves them. And because the current tenants were among the most violent, evil, and blasphemous people in history. And God's decided to evict them because their sins were so horrendous and beyond anything we can comprehend but that's also why everything Moses says in chapter 5 is so important because he's telling the Israelites how God expects them to live what it means to be his people and it's vital they understand that because by knowing and living in the way God's demanding of them they can avoid being similarly condemned vomited from the land as God declared in Leviticus 18 verses 24 through 29 but there are also lessons for us in all this because just like the Israelites we have a covenant relationship with God but instead of being rules dependent it's Christ centered and the it rests on what Jesus did and not what we do And that's a good thing. Because I know from personal experience that we're as inept as the ancient Israelites in living in the way God asks of us. And that exemplifies the redemptive mercy, grace, and love that's central to His character. Which is why we're looking at Deuteronomy 5. And even though we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments today, we're not going to do it in the typical way and go through them one at a time. Instead, we're going to look at this from the perspective of what it means to be and to live as God's people. As we do that, there are three important points I want to make. First, that the covenant sums us, summons us to obedience. Second, that the Ten Commandments aren't simply rules. And that they describe the kind of people God wants us to be. And then third, we'll see what it's like to encounter God and discover why we need a mediator. So let's take a look at each of those and see what we can learn. As I mentioned earlier, Deuteronomy was written to affirm God's relationship with the Israelites. And to show them how important that relationship was to him. And that's particularly hard for people in today's world to grasp because God doesn't audibly really speak to humanity the same way He did in the past. Instead, He speaks to us through His Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't hard for the Israelites to understand because they knew what it was like to live in God's presence. And to experience that transcendent and powerful sense of awe when God's prophet or God himself called out to them. And that's what's happening here in the early part of today's passage. Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord, your our God, made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord, because you were afraid that the fire would not go up the mountain. Whether you read those words aloud or quietly in private, it's easy to recognize that there's an inherent sense of sovereign authority to them. And that Moses wants the Israelites to pay particular attention to what he's about to say because he wants them to find their identity in their relationship with God rather than in the world around them. But he also wants to reiterate how personal their relationship with God is and how important it is for them to honor that relationship In fact, the language in this part of the passage is so strong that it actually binds the Israelites to God and to the covenant and to the reality that he's going to hold them accountable if they stray from it. It's the same point St. Paul was trying to make to the early church in Hebrews 2, verses 1-4 through where he wrote, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away for since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation of disobedience received as just punishment how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation this salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him
1: God also testified
0: to it by signs wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will of Hebrews 2 and Deuteronomy 5 are more significant than we realize because they remind us of God's sovereignty as well as his right to reign over and judge humanity what's particularly frightening about that is how severe that judgment will be at the end of time and what that means for both believers and unbelievers And that's why we in the world around us need to take these words to heart because we're wrong to presume that God will simply overlook our sins and not hold us accountable. Because he has to. Otherwise justice won't be served. The catalog of the world's sins will go unpunished. That's why Moses uses words that draws the Israelites to their past. And it reminds them of their sins and failings, and as well as the sins and failings of the generations before them. He also wants them to grasp the importance of the promises made by their parents and grandparents, and the impact those will have on their lives. Essentially, well, essentially his words are a warning. A warning that he expected this generation to live out those promises in a way that was very noticeable to the world around him. That's why he's bluntly telling them to listen, learn, and obey. So they can do that in the face of the world's self-oriented, transient, and ever-tempting nature. Which might be why Moses read the Ten Commandments aloud as they stood there before him. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name, Observe the Sabbath by a day, by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. I think you shall do, not do any work, neither you, nor your son, or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that when you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and had an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder you shall not commit adultery. you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor you shall not covet your neighbor's wife you shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his male or female servant his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor the Ten Commandments are the heart and soul of what it means to be God's people because they're the moral ethical, legal, and religious foundation of who the Israelites were supposed to be individually and as a community. At the same time, they also bound the Israelites to an exclusive and personal relationship with God and served as the framework calling them to worship God, which is why Moses led them to past generations because he saw the commandments as a legacy and continuation of God's covenant with Abraham and part of the Israelites inheritance in history as well as an image of the reverence and holiness God was due but alongside that and despite how they sounded, the Ten Commandments were never meant to be restricted Instead, they freed the Israelites from the demands and expectations of the pagan world around them. Just as importantly as as I said a moment ago, they shaped the Israelites' identity and faith, and by obeying them symbolized their love and commitment to God. Besides everything I've just mentioned, the Ten Commandments also had a very redemptive purpose. The purpose of pointing out a holiness and perfection that neither the Israelites or we can attain. And they highlight why we need a divine mediator to truly experience the redemptive mercy, grace, and fellowship Christ earned for us on the cross. Which is what St. Paul was referring to in Romans 3 when he wrote, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. It's that aspect of incompleteness that highlights the need to see the Ten Commandments as Christ-centered and transformative rather than prescriptive while at the same time making them the precepts that shape and define our character a character that stands opposed to both our fallen nature and to the modern world's man-centered lifestyle and a character that recognizes our failings and fully accepts the need for a mediator and a savior which is what the last set of verses from today's passage speaks to
1: these are the commandments the Lord
0: proclaimed in a loud voice to your whole assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire the cloud and the deep darkness and he added nothing more then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me when you heard the voice out of the darkness while the mountain was ablaze with fire all the leaders of your tribes and your elders came to me and you said the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a person can live even if God speaks with him. But now why should we die? This great fire will consume us and we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. For what mortal has ever heard the voice of the living God speaking out of fire as we have and survived? Go near and listen to all the Lord your God says and tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you we will listen and obey the Lord heard you when you spoke to me and the Lord said to me I have heard what this people said to you everything they said was good oh that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so it might go well with them and their children forever go tell them to return to their tents But you stay here with me so that I may give you all the commands, decrees, and laws that you are to teach them to follow in the land I am giving them to possess. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. This last. Set of verses is a summary of Israelites' encounter with God and the profound effect it had on their lives. It was an encounter that was totally outside their comfort zone, and it filled them with such an overwhelming and primitive fear of God that it made them want to flee. It literally left them unnerved and it opened their eyes to the fact that God was intrinsically more holy and different than we are. More importantly, it helped them recognize their failings and their inability to change human nature and why they needed a mediator between them and God. And again, that's exactly what St. Paul was trying to point out about Christ's nature. In Hebrews chapter 9, we wrote But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it is not a part of creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, so obtaining eternal redemption. It's that same reality that Moses and Paul are pointing out that should help us recognize our own mortality and our need for a mediator and to let that govern our concept and understanding of both faith and life. Because it's when we accept that and accept that God wants to be known and to interact with us through His Word and the Holy Spirit we'll finally have the deep personal kind of faith that God wants us to experience. A faith that enables us to know God's peace. As well as the awesome magnificence of His presence in a real way that draws us into a more secure and personal relationship with Him. When this service ends and you go home, I want you to take some time this afternoon or during the week to look at you around fly so that you recognize the need to fully understand that what Moses is telling the Israelites is central to our lives and our faith as well as being essential to defining our relationship with God. And that's because it mirrors, it's the mirror that reveals who we are and how connected to God we really are. At the same time, the realities it contains are something we can all hang our faith on, especially given the world's ever-changing and often false philosophical baseline. But it also challenges us to be cautious and (coughs) to not exalt ourselves, let alone put ourselves on a pedestal and make ourselves a false god. What's equally as important? is that it reminds us that we shouldn't be dogmatic and strict about what we see here because that's counter to the mercy and grace God offers us in Christ. Instead, we need to see Deuteronomy as a gift, a gift that faithfully opens our hearts and minds to our need for a mediator and to all that Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Almighty God, we live in a time when it's easy to exalt ourselves or those around us as gods, despite all our too visible flaws, failings, and sins. Which is why we ask that you would turn our hearts toward you and fill us with a sense of humility that opens our eyes to your magnificence and sovereign power. Then allow us to grasp and understand the depth of your law so that it reflects it in our faith and integrated it into our lives. And all we think, say and do, be a witness and a testimony to Christ, your depth, your glory, and your sovereign majesty. We ask all this in the mighty and precious name of Christ our Savior. Amen.